This week on the Cattleman U podcast, we're talking all things seed stock with Jeannie Griswold from Griswold Cattle in Stillwater, Oklahoma. The passion and drive the Griswolds show in connecting with ranchers and producing quality cattle for commercial cattlemen is unparalleled. Jeannie tells us how she markets, how they make decisions for their herd, and how Griswold Cattle became a nationwide source for quality beef cattle genetics. Welcome back to the podcast. We have Jeannie with us, and we are so excited for this conversation today. We have worked with her in the past on some Kettleman U projects, and so we're excited to talk today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it a whole bunch. Absolutely. Why don't we start with you just telling us a little bit about your operation and how you guys got started? Well, I grew up in Utah, actually, in southern Utah. My dad had about 500 cows, and we had a bull sale and a female sale there. So I grew up in the cattle industry and got done with college, went back and started working with my dad and found out that Beaver was a pretty small town and that I, <laughs> I needed to branch out just a little bit. I had known John, my husband, for a long time, not, not real intimately, just kind of been friends and passing and known of him, followed his program. And my dad and I came back here to look at cattle and some bulls. And one thing led to another and we got to be really, really good friends. And then here about 12 years later and four kids and a gazillion head of cattle, we are in Stillwater, Oklahoma, and we ranch here. John grew up in Wisconsin and came here to college and ended up staying in this area. And we've just kind of branched out and grown our program a lot. We run about 2000 head of mother cows, about a thousand here in Stillwater. And then we run another thousand down on the Oklahoma, Arkansas border in Poto, Oklahoma. And then we have a female sale in December called the classic where we market about five to 700 head there. And then we have a couple of different bull sales. We'll market probably three to 400 head of bulls every single year. And then we do a lot of frozen genetics. We sell a lot of semen and do a lot of flushing. Tell me a little bit what the program looked like before you joined. So we have an idea of what the last 12 year transformation has looked like. So John ran cows in South Dakota, um, in Faye, South Dakota. He had about 700 head of cows up there and They had bought it from a family called the Birklands, and they'd been kind of a primarily Angus herd, commercial Angus herd, and he had went in and started using a lot of his genetics on them. And we went up there. We actually stayed in South Dakota for about probably two years, two or three years. I guess Maggie was about two. And we just kind of came to the decision with the way that our family was. We still had cattle back here. At that time, we probably ran about 300 head of cattle here, maybe three or 400. Tim Aldi had dispersed his cow base at one time and we had bought those cows. And so they were kind of the cattle that were in right here in Stillwater. But we made the decision to leave South Dakota just with the way that our family was. And we knew that we were going to be having more kids. We had a great big dispersal and we ran 700 head through the ring and it was pretty crazy. And it was super hard on John to leave. He had put a lot of heart and soul into that cow base in developing it and getting to where it was. But it was the best decision for our family. And after we sold those cows, after about two years, then we started running cattle in Poto and 
one thing's led to another. I don't know that we've really ever had a plan, but John's a, a big thinker and a dreamer and a doer and a hustler. And I mean, if something feels right, we, we go for it. We think on it a little bit and then we take action. And I, I think that's been the driving force behind our whole program, behind every single thing that we do. And we kind of, he marketed a few, a few semen bowls before we got married. But after we got married, we kind of started to push that deal a little bit harder and to push our AI sires a little harder. And now we've grown that so that that's a big part of our program. I mean, it, it's fixing to gear up here right now. We're going to be heading into AI season and it's going to get crazy and wild, but it's, it's a lot of fun. And we have a lot of fun in this industry. There's a lot of good people and great cattle and we really enjoy it and really enjoy working together. Absolutely. You guys do an incredible job. And one thing I see is you guys are kind of on the forefront of genetics and the new up and coming. So what are some changes you've seen in the genetics in the industry? And then what do you think is coming in the next few years? I think the industry is always changing. I think a lot of it, there's a driving force behind everything. And usually it comes down to what you can market and what you can sell. We've seen fads. We've seen big cattle. We've seen small cattle. We've seen narrow-bellied ones, long ones, short-bodied ones. I mean, you've seen a thousand different things from people marketing off of paper to marketing just good solid cattle. And I mean, I wish I could tell you what I thought the industry was going to bring in the next few years. I think you're going to see a lot more done with genetics, I guess, in a Petri dish a little bit. I think you're going to see some genetic engineering and different things come into play. I know we've got a guy here that we work with a lot and he really feels like CRISPR is going to be something in the cattle industry that you're going to see some of these, some of these characteristics and attributes that are highly marketable in cattle that we're going to start infusing them in that way. I don't know if it'll happen. I guess a lot of that's going to be whether or not our consumers are going to invite that in, if we can keep it so that it's something that's a positive outlook for them. But I think as producers staying on the forefront of all of that knowledge and at least knowing about it and knowing where it's going is huge. But I think at the same time, stay focused on good cattle. Good cattle have always been marketable. They never go out of style. Like stay focused on what you're doing. Don't chase fads. I think that a lot of times, a lot of people get caught up in a fad and something that's crazy, but good cattle are good cattle and they will always be profitable. I absolutely agree with the fad thing. And typically what we see is chase a fad and then it gets too much, right? And then we have to rebound a little bit from that. And so a hundred percent. I definitely agree. I think it's much smarter to kind of just chase the foundation, the old school type. And of course, everyone has a different look that they like, but I do see the industry a lot of times we go one extreme to another. Oh, for sure. And I think it's what drives it. I mean, (laughs) look at the fashion industry. It's the exact same with the cattle. It's the same with the horses, but it still goes back to pretty much same type and kind. Like those are the kind that are working for commercial cattlemen. And usually those are the people that are driving the force behind every single thing we do. So I agree. And that's perfect to kind of segue into the commercial cattlemen. One thing that I think we have a disconnect between seed stock producers and the commercial cattlemen, and you guys do a really good job at assessing each individual's needs from a genetic standpoint. How do you form that relationship? What are 
things or advice that you have for commercial cattlemen when they're looking to make a partnership with a seed stock operation? What does that relationship look like? You know, the number one thing I would tell commercial cattlemen is to buy in with somebody that has a program. And I know that's hard because there's a lot of people that are just getting started up. And I mean, I want them to be profitable too. There's room in this industry for everyone. But I mean, seed stock producers, you're going to sell our females. We sell majority to other seed stock producers, but our bulls, we're going to sell 5% to seed stock producers. And we're going to sell 95% to commercial cattlemen. And those bulls have to be able to go out and make females. And I think that sometimes seed stock producers almost lose sight of that. It's so much push on formants and how big can we get them and how, I mean, all of these different things. And we're forgetting that there's a seed stock or a commercial cattleman out there that doesn't have a big fancy barn to bring all of these females into. Those cows have got to calve out on their own. They've got to be good uttered. They've got to be good footed. They have to have longevity. They have to have doability. They have to breed back as two-year-olds. They have to breed back as three-year-olds. They have to stay in that herd till 11 or 12. I know I just heard a a commercial auction where some of those females were bringing $3,000 a head. Well, I mean, you're selling an eight or $900 calf off of that cow. She's got you've got a few years in her before she's making a profit as a commercial cowman. And I think that sometimes we lose that disconnect that, Hey, those guys, I mean, it's, it's pinching pennies for them. Like every single year it's coming down to sometimes just getting by and we need to take more note a little bit of their bottom line, realizing that what we do as producers and as seed stock producers hugely affects them if a bull doesn't need to be a bull don't be afraid to cut him like I think sometimes we get so caught up with our bottom line that we forget their bottom line if a cow's bad bagged if she doesn't breed back all of these different things what's going to affect our consumer it's not going to work for them don't try and make it work for you like don't All of us, no matter what you do in this industry, you're going to have something that isn't perfect. You're going to have a cow that might have a bag that is maybe a little bit shitty. It's just the way that's going to happen. But if it is, be willing to take the loss and to get rid of her because somebody's going to be using her calf down the line and he's going to produce daughters that they're going to retain back in their program. Don't create a problem two and three generations down the line. Make sure that you are taking care of it as a seed stock producer. I hope that answered your question. Maybe I completely got off the subject. No, it, no, that did. It's something I, I'm really passionate about. I, I, you know, I agree. I think we need to cut, you know, 30% of bulls that get sold in sales. Yeah. There's, Overall. there's, there's so many people that are marketing bulls. And I, I think, I mean, I look at it, this, the sex semen thing right now is huge because females are easy to market and bulls are really hard to market. And I get it. We go a lot of different places. We're going to have a sale in West Virginia this year. We've got a sale here in Stillwater. We take bulls to Florida. We hustle hard to get our bulls marketed and they're harder to market. There is a demand for them, but you know, I think that also often there's a lot of bulls that don't have any business being a bull. I mean, I, I think that sometimes I, I look at fee issue that we have right now in this industry and it is atrocious. And a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of the bulls that don't have any business ever being a bull. And I mean, those are things that it's from everybody turning their head and turning their eye and just, Hey, you know what? We'll be okay. We're going to get along. And it's something that as producers, we've got to, we've got to just hit the nail on the head. We buy a lot of recip cows and it is always astounding to me and they're commercial cattle. And a lot of them come out of, I mean, I don't know how many people on here have recips, but a lot of them come out of the sale barn 
I'm sure that we get some people's problem cows. But when I get a cow that's just completely swing bag and carrot teeth, it just plain flat out ticks me out because there's a bull that came from someone's program that produced her. And they don't have any business in this industry. I mean, how many commercial cattlemen do you know that have a shoot just right handy to go and nurse a calf up? My dad always says, I'm not a dairyman and I don't have time to run a dairy. And he did not. I mean, we darn sure took care of those little babies and made sure that that they were nursed up. But those problem cows that were bad bags, they went down the road and they need to. And as producers, we need to make sure that they are because we're just creating somebody else's problem. Absolutely. We have to think a little bit more than just, well, what can we get sold at the sale? And I think the moment that happens, like you said, the commercial cattleman really relies on the seed stock producer for their honesty and their integrity. And I actually, that's one of my hopes in the future when I've been talking to cattlemen is I hope we build more of a partnership there where we, the seed stock producer and the commercial cattlemen really develop this unique relationship because if they stop buying bulls, the seed stock producer is going to go out of business and vice versa. And so I think that having that trusted relationship is something that needs to happen. And I think we need to see more of that in the industry. You know, that's, that's one thing that we have really tried to focus on. And it was something that I grew up with and John grew up with is that the customer is always right. And we have about 80% repeat customers. And that's something we're hugely proud of. I mean, it is something that I, I know if you've been involved in the seed stock industry, you've probably refunded money for a lot of stupid things. I mean, it's just the way that it is. Sometimes people call and it'll be two hours before the sale and they'll be like, hey, this happened. Everybody's dealt with it. But when it comes right down to it, treating those producers right will make you money in the long run and developing those relationships, developing those friendships. We work uh, a lot with a man named Jeff Berkwin, and he's one of the number one buyers for Five Rivers. And so he's able to work with a lot of our commercial producers and, and really go out and buy some of their calves and look at their females. We try and have boots on the ground. We have Kent Jake, he goes out and sells a lot of semen and goes to a lot of our seed stock producers and some of our commercial producers and sees their cow base and sees what their calves look like. And those relationships, as far as marketing go, they're huge. Like I, I could not put a money amount on them. I feel like they are so important because we have to be connected our consumer is the commercial cattleman. And so often as seed stock producers, we don't even know what calves are bringing in the sale barn. We don't know what fat steers are bringing. We don't follow. I mean, there's a lot of these guys that, that are selling bulls that have such a disconnect from the commercial industry. And I think that that is, I think it's really sad in all reality. Like at the end of the day, we, whether we're raising seed stock or we're raising commercial, we're still raising beef. I think it's important to stay educated and in focus of what's going on in the commercial industry. What are those calves bringing? What are killer cows bringing? What are, what are cull bulls bringing? I mean, that's, that's something that's, that's really big. And I don't think that enough seed stock producers have a knowledge of it or that they even try to. I absolutely agree with you. It's a much bigger game. What do you think, when you think about the breeding decisions that you guys are making, how are you starting that process? Deciding what you're going to breed your cows, um, what AI bulls you're going to use, or what herd bulls you're going to, you know, go out and purchase. You know, our 
program here is based a lot off of females. We, we believe heavily in a good solid cow base and it's something that comes down to every single bull we buy. We want to make sure that he's out of a good cow. Those cow families are absolutely immeasurable. Second, we evaluate cattle heavily off of what they look like. Commercial calves, when they go through the cell ring, there's somebody there that's buying them. And the first thing they're doing is getting evaluated based upon what they look like. I mean, that's just visual eye appeal is something that's really, really important to us, whether we're producing a $20,000 bred heifer or whether we're producing a set of steers that are going to get marketed through the sale barn. I mean, that's, that's something that's a big deal to us. We do market a lot of semen, like we, we push a lot of it. And so we have a a pretty big array of bulls to breed to. I mean, we're kind of like everybody else. We get excited about the new upcoming bulls and what they're going to be and what they're going to do. But we go back a lot to those bulls that we have watched and that we know what they're going to do. We like consistency. Consistency is huge in what we do because we do market to so many seed stock producers. We want cattle that are going to make good ones every single time. We don't want a bunch of throwaways. I don't think you can afford to have them whether you're in the seed stock business or you're in the commercial industry. You've got to have cattle that are consistent, that are going to throw the same type, the same kind, the same look, the same I mean, just consistency across the board. And so that's something that we really focus on heavily in our program and we really push for. And we kind of do that with making sure that the genetics that we know work, that they line up and that they're the right kind. And that it's a lot of fun. Genetics and breeding and things like that. It absolutely, it drives John and I, we, that's our pillow talk at night is we laid in bed last night and watched videos on sale bulls for an hour. He got home. He went on a trip to South Dakota to hurry and drop off a bull at 605 at the bull stud. And he got home at 1130 and we laid in bed for another hour and watched videos on bulls and bred heifers and made a game plan on what we were going to do. I mean, it's just the cattle industry is what drives us. It's, it's what we love. It's a passion and it is a lot of fun. I think some people lose sight of how much fun it is. Enjoy enjoy lining up those genetics, enjoy going in and breeding those great cattle. Like don't lose sight of, of why you love what you do. I agree. It's the best occupation. And I think that sometimes when our nose is to the grindstone, we forget that, that we, I mean, some people won't even call this a job. I mean, they, you know, it's a lifestyle. And so I absolutely call it a job right now. They're out feeding. I'm inside with my two-year-old and they're out feeding and it's about 10 degrees out there and cold and crap and blowing snow. Some days it's definitely a job. (laughs) I would agree with that. Um, You You've really taken social media to start to market and really kind of taken it by storm. Talk to me a little bit about the process that you guys go to when you know you have an upcoming sale. What is the marketing process and thoughts that you guys go through to get ready for that upcoming sale? You know, like this has to probably go just a titch into my background just a little bit, but I actually minored in marketing in college. It was something that I really enjoyed and was kind of fascinated by. I got married and of course we had somebody do our print ads. I did some of our catalogs and different things, but we started having babies. I was 29 when we got married. I think I had my first baby right when I was 30. I mean, it was, I was busy with little ones. And so a lot of that stuff that I had done previously with my dad kind of got put on the back burner just a little bit. And 
one thing led to another and I just felt like it was super important that either John or I kind of do our social media just a little bit. And I have some help from some of our employees just answering different things and doing that. But social media is huge. It reaches so many people. It's been a huge learning curve for me. I took it over full-time probably about three years ago, maybe four. I don't, I should go back and figure that out, but I just felt like that we needed to have it a little more grounded hundred percent in the, just the day-to-days of Griswold cattle. And when we come into a sale last year was the perfect storm here. We were marketing. I can't remember if we sold, I think we sold 700 head in uh, 2020 and none of our catalogs got mailed when they were supposed to. It was a mess. It was an absolute, I, I can't even begin to tell you what a nightmare it was. We'd, we'd done all of the print ads. We'd done all of our social media things, but we had absolutely not one catalog in hand. And it was a sickening feeling. Without our social media, I honest to goodness do not know what we would have done. We were able to use our social media to drive people to our website, to drive people to our catalog. We were able to get people ramped up. I mean, it's it takes time. I'm not going to lie. I sit down. I probably spend one to two hours at least every single day on social media. And it's sometimes my kids are like, well, you get off of your phone. I get burnt out. I'm not going to lie. By the time we got done with the classic, I have to step away from it sometimes. It gets heavy. I, I weekends, I take time off. I put it away. I do not get on there. I stay away from it. Saturday and Sunday are my days that I do not mess with it. But five days out of the week, by golly, we are posting. And especially when we are having a sale, like I want people excited to come. I try to create that atmosphere of what the classic or what the grass to grid. I want that atmosphere created before they ever step on foot at Griswold Cattle. I want them to feel like they're welcome. I want them to be excited about them. I want them to feel like the genetics are top quality. I want them to have the fill the whole way through from the time that calf hits the ground until we have them coming through that sale barn and have Bonham up there doing his chant. I want them to feel the energy that goes into this and the passion that we have for it. And I, I think that that is important. Like this industry it is, it's super exciting and it's fun, but we've got to keep it exciting and fun for people. And I, I think that that's one thing that social media has allowed us to do. I mean, there's aspects of it that we share this last year. I mean, we had some huge tragedies here at our place and I, I think it's all right to let our customers in and say, Hey, you know what? We have some really crappy days here too. It is not all this bright sunshine all the time. I think it's all right to do that and to welcome them in with that and to share in the ups and the downs. I mean, three years ago, we had a scour outbreak here that was absolutely horrific and it was day in and day out and it was discouraging and it was hard and it was just go, 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 go and work, 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 work. And you save some of them and you didn't save some of them. And I mean, I think you've got to be real on all fronts. And I mean, of course you show them all aspects of it, but you want it to be something that, Hey, you know what, come on in and ride along with us. And we're going to try and reach the top. And by golly, we're going to try and take you there with us. I think that's the beauty of social media is that you can really show the day to day and you can give someone a piece of what's happening when they maybe only interact with you in person on sale day, they can really know what's going on. 
what is some advice that you would give someone who is interested in either starting a seed stock operation or taking their current operation and expanding it? You know, I get asked this question. I cannot even tell you how often I get asked this question. And I've seen a lot of people do it. Find what drives you. Find what you love and find your passion and chase it and chase it hard and chase it better than anybody else chases it. I don't care if you're raising chickens or if you are raising cattle. If you raise the very best ones, people will find you. I look at so many of the industry leaders that are at the top and I think sometimes they get judged a little harshly. Look at how much they make. Can you believe what those bulls bring? Yada, yada, yada. Let me tell you something, they fight every single day to stay at the top. There is so much work and so much planning and so much behind the scenes that no one sees. You've got to be hungry for it. And you've got to be hungry enough for it that you are willing to put in the time and the effort. Find the program that you love and ride on their shirt tails a little bit. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Copycat advertisement, guess what? It works in all aspects, including the cattle industry. Like I think so often people get so that they chase this and they chase that and they chase this and they chase that and they chase this and they lose the consistency in their program. They lose the marketability in their program. They lose all of these different things. You've got to know what you want and you've got to stay focused on that end goal. And if you do and you work hard at it and do those things, it's attainable. Anybody can do it, but it definitely takes work. It is not an overnight success. I I look at John and I's program and I think we are so blessed that we were raised the way we were. We both have families that are generations deep in the cattle industry and generations deep in the purebred industry. But that being said, what we have made here, we've made together. Like we have definitely climbed the ladder hand in hand and we've achieved a lot with one another, but it has not came without struggle and it has not came without a heck of a lot of work. And It is not always bright and cheery. There are big decisions and there are a lot of discouraging days. And with that said, there's a lot of really good days too. It's an awesome industry to be involved in. There are so many good, good people, but just keep your head up and keep going forward. Like it is definitely doable and achievable, but you've got to have the drive and the hunger for it. Yeah, hustle goes a long ways. I mean, I think there is a group of us out there that have forgotten what hustle looks like. And when you see someone with that hunger, there is nothing that's going to stop them. And that is one of, I think, the best characteristics to teach kids is having that hunger and really knowing how to work for it. You know, I look at Kurt Schaaf's are completely, I mean, I appreciate their cattle, but they're kind of in a little bit different, different realm maybe than we are just a little bit. They're all Angus, of course, and different things. But I look at him and he has got, Kelly Schaaf has as much drive and as much hustle and as much passion. I had my brother-in-law went up there and worked for him. And that's what he said. He was right out there in the barn with us every day. I, I, I think that so often people just see one side of the mirror and they don't realize, I mean, there is just so much drive behind those people that are at the top. I don't know that we've reached some of their statuses, but we're dang sure trying to climb that ladder. 
Absolutely. Well, you guys are doing an incredible job. It has been fun to watch and see your genetics and your decisions that are coming to fruition. You know, a lot of the things you guys are talking about at night, it's two or three years before the mating comes right or whatever. And so I think some of that dedication really pays off and you guys are doing an incredible job in the industry. If our audience wants to follow along with you guys, where's the best place to find you? First of all, I would have you go to our website. You'll find a lot of our genetics there. It's just griswoldcattle.com. We do market a lot of semen and we would love to have you come and look into our program. You can request a catalog for any of our sales there or also for our semen book. The day-to-days of Griswold Cattle are on Facebook and on Instagram and it's just Griswold Cattle and we would love to reach out to you. We try to be super responsive and we love everybody following along. That's one thing we strongly believe in is that we are all in this together. So join us in the journey. Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking some time today. It was great to chat with you. Thank you again. I appreciate it. Meet us in Nebraska. This September on the 16th through 18th, we'll be hosting the Cattleman U live event in Grand Island, Nebraska. This event will feature industry-leading speakers, groundbreaking tour stops, and cattle handling demos that will allow you to refresh your skills. Whether you're a first-generation rancher or next-generation rancher, Cattleman U is for you. You don't have to be a member of Cattleman U to meet us in Nebraska. Grab your tickets today at cattlemanulive.com backslash live dash events. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Kettleman U podcast. Don't forget to follow and subscribe at kettlemanulive.com slash podcast so you never miss an episode. And remember, the grass is greener where you water it.